It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan tonight. Tonight, we got a big show on hand for you. We're going to preview this weekend's races at ISM Raceway, and we will talk about the new NASCAR short track package in the Cup Series in 2019. We'll talk about what we, what we think we're going to see there, who can win, uh, and give our picks to win, and give our picks to really run good at ISM Raceway. Uh, also, Rockingham, a little bit of life breathed back into that, a little bit of news today about bringing life back into Rockingham. What does that mean for NASCAR? Will we see NASCAR races there in the near future? Five, ten years down the road, will we see races at Rockingham? We'll discuss that. Plus, the banquet, it was announced this week that the banquet will be moved from Las Vegas, Nevada, to Nashville, Tennessee, more towards NASCAR's heartbeat of the southeast. We'll discuss that. And, of course, the next ten years, where do we want to see NASCAR? That means uh, cars, all kinds of stuff we're going to talk about. What do we want the cars to look like? Um, what do we want to see as far as the four car limit? I want to get your guys' take on the four car limit. Should we keep it? A lot of there's it's an interesting topic because there's people who think that we should take away the four car limit altogether, and then there's people who think we should have a two car limit. So we'll discuss that. Also, the Xfinity series. What is the future for the Xfinity series? Can it stay the way it is, status quo? We'll give our take, take about that as well. 917-889-8280 is the number to call here on Talking in Circles tonight. Spare tonight on Talking in Circles with Clayton Caldwell as your host. Um, first, we'll dive into ISM Raceway here, guys. Uh, an interesting weekend because it is the first time we're going to see the short track package here with this new uh, high downforce package. Uh, the short track style, Phoenix, in, excuse me, ISM Raceway, I'll never get used to that, in Phoenix, um, we will preview this weekend's races. Uh, so let's talk about this. You know, this racetrack, Spencer, has been a Kevin Harvick playground here the last few years. Will we see him do it again? Will he go out there and just completely dominate this race? Or will this package change it up? What are your thoughts here as we get ready for uh, the races at ISM Raceway uh, this weekend? Actually, I don't really see it changing uh that much uh yeah obviously is uh he's the dominant driver you know he owns phoenix uh but as we all seen in you know the previous races the leaders i mean the leader's still able to pull away and you know the it's still getting spaced out so i don't really you know if this package was to bunch it all up you know i think it'd be different but you know this is this is a you know a shorter track so it's not a a super super fast racetrack so um, I, I don't really think it's going to hurt it that much. I think if he's up front, he can definitely stay up front. And he's stayed up front in all the previous races anyway. So he definitely knows how to get around this place. And uh, whether the finish line has moved a little bit, you know, that could have a little change in it. You know, it gives somebody a little bit of uh, an advantage, kind of, if they're close. But um, I don't really see a big change to it at all. How about you, Philip? I mean, this is a new package. It's something completely we haven't seen yet, completely new. 
uh, as far as the short tracks are concerned, will this be a, a drastic change, or will we see Kevin Harvick, who's got nine wins at this place, you know, set the pace and, and really be the, the car that everybody's catching here on Sunday? I don't really see it as much of a drastic change. I figure Kevin Harvick is going to continue to be the dominant figure. I mean, Kyle Busch won in November, uh, but, you know, it's it, – I don't see this package change making that much of a difference. I, the, the guys that seem to always run well there, I mean, since the re reconfigure of this racetrack, Kevin Harvick has basically owned it. Before they reconfigured the track, it was Jimmy Johnson. Um, there's just certain people who are good at certain tracks. It's always been that way. And, uh, I mean, I, there could be some guys that sneak in. There's some guys that do really well flat and short tracks. But in terms of who's really the favorite, you can't, can't really go past the four car and and Harvick and Childers. They just have a way around this racetrack. They really do, and I, I think that's uh, the interesting part about this is, you know, we've seen one time in in his in the last few years we've seen Harvick sort of go away uh, at Phoenix and not really compete, and it was his first year Ford, and then all of a sudden they they found it again and really ran strong. So we'll see if he's able to do it again uh, this weekend. Um, I'm not sure what the package is going to do, whether they're going to be wide open. It, it remains to be seen here. We haven't tested a short track package here yet. A lot of people talk about it. it's going to be different. We'll see how this new package here uh, goes at Phoenix tomorrow when it, hits, when it hits the ground running full force. And we'll see how it affects the racing at all, if it's any better, if it's any worse. Um, something to really keep an eye on here because not only are we going to run this package at Phoenix, we're probably going to run it at Martinsville. We're going to run it at Richmond, we're going to run it at um, at Bristol. We're going to run a lot of the shorter tracks this year. Tracks a mile or under, I believe, we're going to run this this package. So keep an eye on it. Do- uh, Dover will be run that too. So uh, this is a package you're going to see a lot here, and it's a slightly different than than the Super Speedway package and even the Speedway package we've seen here the last couple of weeks. So uh, keep an eye on, on that here for sure. Something else interesting, and I Philip, I'll get your take on it first. Um, how about the banquet? Uh, the banquet the last few years, it went from New York to Las Vegas. Now it's um, in Nashville here in 2019. They'll, they'll move it to Nashville. It's been sort of predicted here the last few months. It's it's sort of um, been been rumored that it was going to move to Nashville, but it officially came out yesterday that they are moving the, the banquet to Nashville, Tennessee, the NASCAR Cup Series Championship Banquet to Nashville, Tennessee, um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like it better? I mean, a lot of people are saying, and, and this is something that fans don't really care that much about, is that it's closer to home for the drivers and the teams and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Nashville's a, a very popular city. A lot of people like going there. It's very popular with the college kids now because of, it's a party town, party atmosphere. Um, and, and it's gaining momentum to get Nashville a, a track at the fairground speedway there. So what are your thoughts about uh, moving the banquet to Nashville what do you, what, what's your take on that, Philip? I mean, I think it's nice. It's a good uh, move towards the old school type fans or whatever. If it's a thing where you could attend, I don't know if it, it really changes how many people can attend. Uh, I mean, the NFL draft is going to be there in the next month or so in Nashville. They're growing a lot. Nissan's invested a lot in Tennessee. 
which might be something to look at in terms of NASCAR's future, in terms of Nissan. Uh, the fairgrounds being, uh, you know, given a new lease on life is also another thing that is a positive. Uh, I mean, I didn't mind it in New York. I think they've they've kind of gotten further and further away from what the point of the banquet was. I mean, now it's just some BS. I mean, it's basically a BS award ceremony where you have all these people that can't read off teleprompters trying to read off teleprompters, and it's it's pretty, you know, vanilla and very generic. Uh, mm-hmm. They could put it almost anywhere. It doesn't really matter. I think Nashville is better than... You know Vegas. Uh, I, as an uh, as an aside, Chase Briscoe and his fiance were planning to get married on the Friday or a few days after uh, the Xfinity Series season ended, and they're having their banquet in Charlotte, and it's on the same day as their as their wedding was planned. So that was kind of interesting that. Uh, that came up and that was kind of funny, but or it wasn't funny for his wife or for his fiance. But when they were bringing up the banquets and the new dates and all that, it, they kind of screwed over Chase Briscoe's wedding, which was kind of uh, interesting to me. But I think it's fine, it's good, and uh, it should, I think, be a net positive for NASCAR because I think that was one of the places they were looking at putting the NASCAR Hall of Fame all those years ago, too. So. Yeah, and, and Daytona certainly was there, and 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 Charlotte, of course, is where it is now. But, um, they, but the, when they were originally talking about building it, yeah, I think it was Nashville, maybe, sh- and I know Charlotte. I can't remember. It was a couple other locations, but it ended up being, uh, or excuse me, in Daytona, and then it ended up being in Charlotte. So, um, Spencer, I want to get your take on this too. Um, you know, as a as a younger fan than Philip and I, we I kind of look at Philip and I in sort of the same age group, uh, old school fans, sort of in a way um in your a lot you're bringing fresh um perspective to this to this show which is great because you get the get the little bit of, of new school mentality here um what does nashville moving to nashville mean to you as far as like somebody your age where do you know i know it's a, you're big into country music a lot of people racing in country music was synonymous especially nascar um was synonymous 10 15 years ago they've sort of gotten away from that country redneck mantra that at least they're really trying hard to get away from it but they go back to the country the whole homeland of country music in nashville um do you think that will help this sport you know bring some country acts and and get people who like country music to like nascar again do you think that has anything to do with it what are your thoughts on nashville and nascar going together here for the banquet in 2019 you know i don't think it will have you know i don't think it would bring the people who like country music in the NASCAR, I mean, let's face it, if you like country music, you've heard of NASCAR, you've watched NASCAR, or you've been to a NASCAR race. But I feel like, you know, don't get me wrong, NASCAR is a billion-dollar sport, and, you know, they want their stuff fancy and nice in Las Vegas at this million-dollar hotel or whatever they do it at, the Wynn uh, Wynn Hotel. um, But I feel like them going to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, I feel like it could – I mean, it would have more to do with the drivers. You know, they can go out and watch country music concerts or whatever. But I feel like it's more their roots. You know, a lot of guys in this are Southern. They're country boys. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot that come out from California. And some of the best in our sport are from California. But 
I feel like uh, going to Nashville, Tennessee, you know, the big, big country music thing and more to do over there and, you know, change the scenery, you know, you, you change it up and let the guys see a different perspective and the people who go to the banquet, let them get a different view. And I'm sure the drivers will enjoy something new instead of sitting in the same building all the time. But other than that, I think it's a great change. And, you know, if they don't like it, they, uh, they know how to leave Nashville, Tennessee and do it somewhere else. Yeah. I'm sort of on Phillips way about this, about the banquet. I mean, I haven't watched the NASCAR banquet and I can't remember when. Uh, and to me, it, it's just, I'm not and and this is for any award show, to be honest with you. I don't care about award shows. I, you know, I don't understand award shows, uh, NASCAR banquet, especially because you know, the awards people are going to get, you know, who won rookie of the year, you know, who finished 10th in points, you know, who finished ninth in points, you know, who won a championship. So, you know, all the awards people are going to get. So what are you watching for? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, um, it, it's, it's okay. Listen, there's um, nothing else I, on. That, that's true. That's true. And, you know, and you get to hear your driver. In a, <laughs> in a way, I think New York was better because it got your sponsors a lot more recognition. When you were in New York city, you parked your car out in the street. People will go, what's this NASCAR thing? Um, for whatever reason, they got away from that. I don't know if the war of Astoria started charging them a little bit more. Who knows? They went to Vegas. They thought it was cool. Um, there was talk they were going to try and end the season at Las Vegas. And I think once that kind of settled down, they got Vegas the second date there. They said, okay, I think we're kind of um, saturating the Vegas market here a little bit. Let's move to the next big time market because NASCAR was ahead. Listen, let's face it. When they brought the banquet to Vegas, Vegas has become a, a big time deal. Now uh, we were there before the hockey team was there for Las Vegas golden Knights were there. NASCAR was there with the banquet. The Raiders are moving there in 2020. The NFL team, uh, NASCAR was there way before that with the banquet. So they were sort of the first big-time sport to move to Las Vegas and sort of pick up the momentum that went with that city. Now we're moving to Nashville. Maybe they're trying to pick up the momentum that, hey, we see Nashville sort of hopping, and maybe we can get some of that momentum and, and you know, pick that up and get our banquet there. So um, I think eventually – like anything, they're going to move this back to Charlotte in five or ten years. It'll be back in Charlotte, back in the home, because people don't want to travel. It'll be better that way, and everybody will be happier about it that way. But um, Nashville's a fine place for it right now. But I'm I'm with I'm with Philip. It's just to me, award shows drive me crazy. So I, I don't I don't really watch them anyway. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here talking in circles with Clayton Cola, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here uh, with you tonight on talking in circles and something interesting. Um, this today came out it was just today about um, the North Carolina governor coming out and, and says there's he's proposing state funding for what was called Rockingham Speedway. Um, North Carolina governor Ray, Roy Cooper uh, proposed a state budget revealing to the public on Thursday that it has planned $8 million investment to Rockingham property and the Rock Speedway and Entertainment Complex. So basically they're going to have a whole entertainment complex included in that is Rockingham Speedway. They're also going to bring back – sounds like racing is going to be a vital part of the progress here at the uh, – what's going to be called Rocking the Rockingham Speed, the Rock Speedway and Entertainment Complex. they got big plans for that place. Um, it's a track that – Died after the 2004 season. NASCAR went away from it. They ran a little bit races there. Then it died once. Andy Hillenberg picked it up. We brought the truck series back there. Then it sort of died again. And now it looks like it's getting a third life here, Philip Matthew. What are your thoughts on Rockingham? I mean, this is a track. When you think about NASCAR, you think about Rockingham Speedway. Mark Martin used to talk about it all the time. I remember when uh, 
Rockingham about when Mark was in the tail end of his career, they asked Mark, you know, they showed him a clip from Rockingham. He said, man, I still, I still wish we ran there. When Casey Kane and Kyle Larson won the truck series races there at Rockingham a couple of years ago, Twitter was going crazy with current cup drivers and, and past cup drivers going, man, why did we ever get rid of Rockingham? This place is amazing. Um, so here we are again. It looks like Rockingham may get a third date. What are your thoughts about Matthew on, on Rockingham and, Will we potentially see NASCAR move back to that track here in the next five or ten years? I mean, the, the first question is, I mean, we I give credit to Andy Hillenberg for all he's done overall and his, not only his racing career and him trying to go and save uh, the Speedway. Uh, he did something that nobody could do with North Wilkesboro. Um, unfortunately, and he tried, and Kyle at Young Money got his first major NASCAR win there, and you know the and Candy King won there too, but in a truck. I would like to see because now they're merging this ARCA and K and N series here, probably next in, in, going into 2020. If they're really serious, uh, it would be nice to see a a double header weekend or something or a double dip on the same day with that K&N Arca, whatever they're going to call it series. And then the trucks, uh, I think that would be a good ticket. That would probably in, in May. And it would probably be something that if people are serious and want to show up, they could actually uh, draw uh, their, their excuse. NASCAR's excuse for years is, oh, they don't draw or it's in the middle of nowhere, or this, that, and the other thing. They don't draw anywhere, period. Uh, the Daytona 500, they said it sold out, but there was open seats. So the reality, and they cut seats almost everywhere. Phoenix or ISM or whatever they want to call that place, uh, they, they, they've they cut down the seats to virtually nothing. You know, they're, they're, Atlanta needs to do this too. The reality is they over, and Dover is, a great, is the best example when I first started going to Dover, it, they got to like 160,000 seats. Now they've cut that into, down to like 120 or 110, and they need to keep on cutting back. The reality is the when they took Rockingham away from the schedule, it was at a time of peak growth. And now they're bringing down, this looks like the third um, opportunity to go and try and bring back Rockingham. And I think it's probably the right time because it's coming at a time we just talked about Nashville. You're talking about schedule changes last week on the program. And it doesn't matter who you ask, guys who actually did run there, which when you consider how many guys are actually on the cup circuit right now, there aren't that many. No. There's been, there's been a few drivers that were in the trucks and – it would be a great addition if they put it in the right spot and they package it the right way. I hope it comes back. It was a challenging track back in in the heyday. It can it's still a tra- challenging track now, and it would you would find the best driver. Uh, you would see the best drivers actually come through there, and it should be more about driving. It should be more about the drivers and their abilities. Um, and that's the kind of track sure. that you need to have on the circuit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and it would be awesome to see truck series drivers go there 
to learn how to drive that place. 917-889-8280 is the number to call here. Talking circles, Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here. And Dirk from Omaha on the line tonight. Hi, Dirk. What do you want to talk about? Hi, Clayton. Well, a little bit of what you guys have been discussing tonight, this Rockingham deal. I mean, uh, uh, like he just said, they closed it kind of when NASCAR was on the way up. But being employed by NASCAR at that time, we were told they they closed that and North Wilkesboro, both due to the market saturation in that area, Mm -hmm. and tried to thin out what they did when they spread the tracks across the country. But, yeah, I think with an $8 million investment that the state's willing to put up, they've obviously got some type of a word from NASCAR that they'll bring something back, whether it's a truck race, Xfinity race, or a cup race. I think NASCAR is going to bring something. And as far as the banquet in Nashville, wouldn't it really be cool if at that banquet NASCAR uh, announced that they will be at the fairgrounds in 2021? They've already talked about schedule shakeup, so it wouldn't surprise right. me if that's where they're headed. Yeah, I, w- I would love that. I mean, I, I'm a big proponent of NAS- the Fairground Speedway. I mean, um, I'm not sure why they got rid of that place in 84. Maybe you can enlighten me because I wasn't alive yet. But, uh, you know, I know the Xfinity Series race was – they ran there a long time up until the late 90s, and they sort of moved the Xfinity Series west and got rid of the, sh- the, the true short tracks of that series. And uh, it seemed like they could they, – they, I didn't really care for the other racetrack, the Super Speedway, or the Speedway they had there. At Nashville, I thought it was sort of a, a wide open, the big spread out track. I always loved the short track there. I watched races in the 70s and 80s there on, on YouTube, and it seemed like it was fun races. I remember the Xfinity races in the 90s, um, so I would love to go back to Nashville. I think it's a hopping city. It'd be great to, to, to go back there and um, mix country music in a little bit. Maybe hopefully, if they ever get to a cup race, make it a 420, mile, a 420 lap again race like it was back in the 80s, but uh, that'd be awesome to see them go back to Nashville for sure. Yeah, I'd worked races at the new Speedway. I never got to work at the fairgrounds, but the new Speedway was in when they were building all these mile and a third, mile and a half, you know, they call them cookie cutter tracks. They're all a little bit Mm -hmm. different, but basically the same premise. And NASCAR, it took them a long time, but they have finally realized that they saturated their racing schedule with that type of track. And the fans like the the short tracks. Anything under a mile, the fans dig. My favorite track to work was Richmond. And right. uh, now I'm I'm in the area with uh, Iowa Speedways. So I, I go to Iowa Speedway twice a year, and it's a fantastic track. Cup needs to get up that track on the schedule. I totally agree. And what I and and uh, what I think about Iowa, we actually had this discussion last week. You know, everybody says about the the uh, atmosphere around that place, and that it's not a big enough city to host a cup race. It's nonsense compared. You know, you go to Martinsville, Virginia, or Darlington, South Carolina, it's just completely nonsense that we can't go to run a cup race up there at, at Newton, Iowa. Um, yeah, Dirk, I appreciate all your, your insight and everything here tonight. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, and please call again some, some other time. Absolutely. Thank you. So it was Dirk from uh, Omaha there with the call. Good good insight there, guys, for sure. Um, and, and, Spencer, what are your thoughts? You know, uh, Dirk gave us his thoughts uh, – <coughs> Philip gave us his thoughts about Rockingham. You know, you brought up a good point off the air. Um, this is something that you look at and you say, hey, um, is it possible that we don't have – we it will never have a cup race because they don't hold a lot of people there anymore? And and Philip kind of said, well, they're tearing down race – if you 
they're tearing down seats everywhere. And that's true. If you look at even Las Vegas last weekend, um, a lot of where the, the seats used to be, they now have um, what looks like, I guess, tarping over it. And I know Phillips been to Dover a lot. They do the same thing at Dover. I heard they're going to do it at Bristol this this year too, which is shocking. That place used to be sold out, and now they're going to put tarps up at Bristol Motor Speedway this year to, to block off some of the seating. So seats are condensing. We're seeing the tracks condense a lot, uh, and, and they're sort of calling it right-sizing a little bit. Um, so I'm not sure if we see a cup race there, but what are your thoughts on, on Rockingham and, uh, and the potential to go back there? Because this is huge news, $8 million events, but that's huge for this racetrack. Yeah, you know, it's not a real big place, so $8 million can go a long way. Um, you know, a lot of drivers like it, as you brought up in the beginning. A lot of drivers uh, want to race at Rockingham. Uh, you know, like you said, I'm a little bit younger, and I didn't really, uh, you know, I'm only about to be 20. I'm about to be 21 years old, so I didn't really see them race on Rockingham, but I've watched videos, and it looks like a fun racetrack. And and like I said in a previous interview or the show, um, make a change, you know, let's bring a new track in, whether you get rid of one or you add a race to the schedule, whatever you want to do, but let's see, you know, bring in a different perspective to, you know, the younger generation of NASCAR, like myself to go watch a new track. And, um, the drivers love it, you know, they're going to go out there and they're going to, they're going to wheel their race cars and it's going to make for a good show. And, you know, it's in North Carolina, so it's not far. Um, you know, they don't have to travel far. You know, the smaller teams will definitely be able to make it. It's a small racetrack, so you will see, you know, I figure more teams because, you know, you don't have to have the best car on a short track. So, um, you know, it can just change things up a little, give smaller teams a little bit more of a chance, as you could say. And, you know, it may work and it may not, but I don't think we'll see a cup race there. You know, the capacity is small, yes, even though we're condensing. But I just think uh, – it's in North Carolina. A lot, a lot of people will show up, especially for the first couple of races of it coming back. It'd be exciting, and everybody wants to go see the first race back. So, it's about all I have yeah. in Rockingham. But yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And, and Dirk brought up this about the mile and a half tracks. It was a popular thing back in the, you know, when you were really coming up, about 2001 to about 2006. You know, the mile and a half tracks, even maybe even before that, when they went to Texas a lot and all that kind of stuff, it was huge. To do that, and I think that you brought what why I brought up what you said off the air was because it was the the they looked at it the way of well we really can't we can only put about eighty thousand seats at, at Martinsville or you know North Wilkesboro only holds a certain amount we could go to Texas and do a hundred thousand people there let's do that and I think people were like well that's great you could sell a hundred thousand seats but. If nobody buys them, what's the point of it? And I think it was a real hot spot. They felt like they could go anywhere and race. And now all of a sudden it seems like they're getting back to the short tracks, which I think is a great move. Definitely the truck series as well. Um, and I would like to see this open up the door for, you know, if Nashville and Rockingham come back, maybe it'll open up the door for other racetracks down the line as well and sort of get this schedule because there's no doubt in my mind, even the Cup Series schedule, there's not a lot you could do right now until 2021. But the Cup Series schedule has gotten extremely, extremely, extremely stale, uh, especially with the mile-and-a-half track. So hopefully they can shake things up a little bit, get maybe a mile-and-a-half two-track off the schedule or add a couple of short tracks to it, uh, whether that's weeknight racing and all that like we talked about last week. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the schedule plays out. And hopefully Rockingham's included in that. I was so happy to see that. I mean, Rockingham's a, a great racetrack. 
uh, and, and Philip brought up how tough it is there. It eats your tires out. That track should be a lot of fun to watch again if it comes to back to life and comes back to NASCAR here um, in the next couple of years. 917-889-8280 to join the show. I want to get your guys' take, and this is something that's going to be very interesting. You know, as, as a fan of a sport, you want to see it pr- prosper. You want to see it uh, do very, very well. So um, we all have our opinions. We know uh, what we want the sport, what we want to see from the sport and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to start with let's, – let's do it in, in 10 years. As we sit in on March 7th, 2029, uh, picture yourself in 10 years. I'll be 40 years old, hard to believe. Um, and, Spencer, you'll be, what, 31 probably at that point. So here you are in 10 years looking at NASCAR. What do you want to see? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, guys, about the future. And it's well-thought-out questions. You know, For example, I'll start off with the four-car limit. Um, that's a limit that was put in about, oh man, I can't remember exactly what was put in, but I'd say 2008, 2009 season. They said, you know what? We want four cars. If you remember at the time they put it in, Rash Fenway had five race cars. They had to trim down to four. Um, and they got rid of Jimmy McMurray's 26 car. They got a four, they had a four car operation there. And now Jack's just down to two. I mean, Jack had, uh, two truck series teams, three Xfinity series teams, five cup teams. Now he's down to two cup teams which is crazy to think about. But anyway, um, so they put that four-car limit in in 2009. It sort of had a lot of um, – people had, were very opinionated about it. Well, you know, and now I read on Reddit and all kinds of stuff, well, we should expand that limit because if, if Joe Gibbs can field six race cars, that's better for the sport. If Hendrick can field six race cars, that's better for the sport. That's what I read on Reddit. I'm sort of on the other side of the fence, you know, and, and Brad Daugherty, and I know he owns a smaller race team, so he's going to have a different opinion of this, but Brad Daugherty's brought this up saying, listen, we should have two car operations. That's it. We should be limited to two race teams. I felt like they should have done this maybe in the nineties. I think the sport would be in a lot better shape because a lot of the reasons, a lot of the things that are wrong with NASCAR, I think have a lot to do with multi-car teams. But anyway, um, so if you limit the teams to two cars, yeah, it's going to be ugly. I would say this. It would be ugly for five years because you have a lot of shifting, maybe some teams that aren't really ready for cup come up the cup. But in the end, in the long-term goal of NASCAR and the long-term health of the sport, I think it would be very, very good for it. Um, Spencer, I'll start with you. What about the four-car limit? Do you like the, the four-car teams? Um, what are your thoughts on that? And would you change anything in the next 10 years with, with that rule? Yes, I would say, you know, I know you're, you know, on the other side of it, of owning more than four teams. I actually think you should own this. I'm not saying a team could go out there and own 10 cars. That's a bit ridiculous. But, I mean, let's just put a little situation in. There's no room at Joe Gibbs for Christopher Bell. And they can't open a new team for him in the Cup Series without getting rid of somebody or, you know, Toyota and Joe Gibbs getting him away. If they were able to have more than four cars, there would be no problem for Christopher Bell to go to Joe Gibbs. There should be a limit, but I think it should be more than four. You know, four is, you know, that's a lot of team and that's a lot of money. But if you can afford it, go for it. Uh, I know sponsorship's a little hard now, but it would bring potential new sponsors to the sport. And, you know, the more sponsors the sport has, the better off we are. Because if there's no sponsors, there wouldn't be no NASCAR. So, I mean, it would help with sponsorship. Um, and it would help with the team's decisions and where drivers go. That's for sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm not saying you could own 20 or 
all that, but you know, I think it should just be a little bit more, maybe maybe five or six at the most. Interesting, and I see that side, I do, but where my fear is is that we'll have four or five teams owning everything in this sport, including the Xfinity Series, all the teams there. That's my fear. Um, so, and I could get into more detail after in a little bit, but I want to get your take on this, Philip. I mean, um, again, we kind of come from the old school mentality. I, I mean, I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but uh, from what I know from about you, you seem like the old school mentality. You're very knowledgeable about the history of this sport as well as a Spencer. Um, so what about the four car team limit? I think it's a very interesting topic. Spencer brought up a great point about Christopher Bell. Sure. Christopher Bell, if, if Joe Gibbs could expand and go to a fifth team next year full-time, it would be no question about where he's going to be spending his 2020 season. But right now, with Hamlin winning the 500 and, and Kyle Busch signing a, a multi-year extension, uh, Truex just got there, Eric Jones just got there, there's sort of a question up in the air about where Christopher Bell is going to be next season. And, you know, you look at that and you say, well, that's a very fair point. But what if a team, if they had two cooperations and there was a lot more opportunity, a lot more teams that were competitive that could field Christopher Bell's in that Cup Series next year. That's the way I look at the two-car team. But what's your take on it, Philip? Um, I know you're you're very familiar with a lot of different racing, and a lot of different racing has has different rules. I think Formula One, you're only allowed to have two two or three teams. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But um, what are your thoughts on a four-car team limit? Yeah, I mean for Formula One. It's two cars for a team, and I mean, there's it's something that it's like I'm looking at right now with the fan voice and how they want to identify. And you're there's this thing about B teams, which theoretically, with the way NASCAR has gone, they've kind of gone the same way, where you have Joe Gibbs and then they had Furniture Row, which is basically the same thing, but they're somewhere else. Or you have you have this Levine family racing. To me, I remember when the four team rule came is because Rick Hendrick was pissed that Jack Roush got all five of his teams into the chase, and then he's like, "Oh, that's ridiculous! I can't be blah blah blah." Cried Wolf, and then all of a sudden he had four teams, and then a four team rule randomly came in. That seemed convenient to me, and it really only hurt Jack Roush's team. And when you consider how bad they were at managing sponsorships. The fact that they had to lose a whole entire team. I mean, in the end, that sponsorship, I think, got shifted over to Matt and Carl Edwards and whatever. So in the end, it didn't theoretically hurt that way. And it didn't hurt because Jamie McMurray and them didn't work. It didn't fit. But they were the only team that were hurt by that rule. Uh, the way NASCAR is going, or it has been going, we're to a point where it's going to be like there, there's going to be 10 Toyotas or 12 Toyotas or whatever, 12 Chevys and 12 Fords or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to be. That's what this has become, uh, which would mean basically having 12 Gibbs cars, you know, six right. Chevys, six Hendrick and six whatever, and then like six Fords with Stuart Haas and six Penske. You know, so really that's where we're going, and that's the way what NASCAR has done with the Gen 5 and the Gen 6 car, which is a fundamental problem. Mm-hmm. I would rather see it go back to less teams, but we've jumped the shark already. Uh, there's no the, – the amount of money it takes to run competitively in 
all three major series and even going into further into ARCA and KNN series, the amount of money it takes to be competitive, they've jumped the shark. It's not coming back. Um, There's and unfor- it's an unfortunate sign, and it's part of BZF and what he did to the sport. Because when you think about 2004, they had 50 plus car fields showing up for for random races, mm-hmm. and now yeah. you can't even get 40 cars for the day, 42 cars for the Daytona 500. Right. And yeah, so, and I-, I mean, I would rather have less. I would rather have other owners come into this sport, but Joe Gibbs is perfect proof. He figured out a way to run out one of the only independent owners in the sport in Barney Visser, and he ran him right out of the sport. And that's the kind of person, that's where NASCAR used to be. They were built on the Barney Vissers of the world and these businessmen and going and building things. And when you're running him out of the sport, you're not going to have people coming in. You're going to have the lowest common denominator filling the back of the field, or you're going to have the major massive super type teams. But I'll say this, and and you're absolutely right. I think the the shark, as you say, has been jumped on that. Um, But I'll say this, you know, when you talk about the 50 car entries back in 2004, for sure, that was, that was a great part of the sport, but what made that even better and what made that more even unique. It wasn't the fact that, you know, like Spencer brings up a good point where if we had, you know, uh, six teams, you know, there'd probably be six, six car teams for 36 charters and that'd be it. So, and you say, well, the sport's healthy because all those 36 cars are competitive. They're all with competitive teams. But what I liked about, 2004 and probably prior and it, I think that's when the guards started to change a little bit you had not only did you have 50 different teams but you had 30 different engine makers you had people who made their own chassis I mean there's not any all the four teams are powered by by Roush Yates the Chevrolet teams have two engine manufacturers that are the real competitive Chevrolet teams ECR and Hendrick Motorsports and the Toyota teams have TRD that's it for our engine manufacturers that's it period not not another one, and you know Hendrick used to build his own chass, uh, own engines. DEI, Childress, Roush, Yates built their own engine. Roush and Yates had two different engine departments, and it, it just went on and on and on and on. And they all built their own chassis, and they were all their own teams. And I think what's hurt this sport, why this has hurt the sport a little bit, is I think it's hurt with even rivalries. You know, when you think about Richard Petty and David Pearson, they had nothing alike. Richard Petty was a Dodge. David Pearson was a Mercury with the Wood Brothers. They were in Seward, Virginia. Petty was in Randleman, North Carolina. And they battled each other, sure. They were on the racetrack, but they, weren't, they had no ties. Now, you know, if Clint Foyer gets into Joey Logano on the racetrack, you go, oh, boy, that, oh, oh, they got the same engines. You know, they kind of work together because they're Fords. It takes the potential of rivalries away where if Foyer and Logano were – sort of independent and worked for them their own race teams and didn't really have anything to do with each other, I think that would be a great rivalry. That could be a rivalry. And I'm just using those two as an example. Um, but, you know, and, and even burning a bridge there, you know, Ryan Newman could have, you know, maybe gotten to, gotten to an argument with Trevor Bain last year and burned his bridge over there at Rash Fenway, but he doesn't do that because he knows he needs that. He might need a that Rash Fenway next year. It's just, it's all tied together. I think it's hurt the rivalries immensely. Um, and I think it's hurt 
what you brought up about Barney Visser. Um, these smaller teams are so dependent on these bigger teams. That's my biggest problem with it is, you know, Front Row Motorsports, who you guys know I root for, a driver at Front Row Motorsports, they are trying their hardest to do it the right way. Bob Jenkins. Bob Jenkins has enough money to where he could be the next Barney Visser if he wanted to. Toyota could court him over today and say, listen, we want one team. We're going to put our driver in it, and you're going to be a, a subsidiary of, of, of Toyota, and we want you to, to do that. And you're, you're Front Row Motorsports, you can keep your name, but we want you to be a Toyota. He, he could do that if he wanted to. He has the fun, financial backing to do it, but he wants to do it the right way. Build his own chassis. He doesn't build his own engines, but he builds his own chassis aside from the play tracks now. And that's a really, really, really difficult thing to do. You talk to anybody in the garage area, they say, well, if you don't have an alliance, you're, you're kind of, uh, you know, you're, you're behind everything. And Jenkins is like, well, I want to build my own chassis. It was unprecedented, almost unprecedented what uh, Stuart Haas Racing did when they went from Hendrick Motorsports building their own chassis to going out to Ford, and they got a lot of financial backing, a lot of help from Ford to do that, but building their own chassis in the Ford camp, that was unheard of. So that was kind of refreshing to see that a team sort of broke away from a, a being under the stranglehold of, their, of a Chevrolet team and going to Ford and saying, now we're on our own, now we're a big-time team. So um, I think that, Spencer, is, you know, you, what uh, the six-car team, I think what you'll see with six six-car teams and, six, and the charters and everything is that it will be literally what, what, what Phillips said, where we'll have two Ford teams, uh, two Chevrolet teams, and two, and two Toyota teams, and that's it. Uh, and maybe if, if a couple more manufacturers come in, it'll be six teams across the board, uh, and everybody will be running the same thing. It'll be, you know, if, if let's say it's Honda, and to, Honda comes in and Nissan, you know, the, they'll have the Nissan group, you have the Honda group, you have the Chevrolet group, you have the, the Toyota group, and you have the Ford group, and that's it. Uh, and they won't have any different changes in cars. They won't have any different changes in engines. And it, it'll be, it might be more competitive in somebody's eyes, but I think for us old-school fans, that, that'll be a really tough pill to swallow. What are your thoughts on, on if that's the future of NASCAR uh, 10 years down the road? Are you still okay with that? Spencer, are you still okay with that? I'll chime in in terms okay, of in terms of uh, if it becomes basically a manufacturer science kind of deal. It's kind of like European forms of racing with Formula One and sports cars. Uh, it would be like the V8 supercars or super Jeep. I mean, yeah, it's the supercars championship in Australia where it's the same thing, it's Ford versus GM, with GM basically having a majority, but then there was a point a few years ago when you had Ford, GM, a couple of Volvo cars, and then Nissan. And well, the thing that I, it's, it's less Honda, I think Honda may, but I strongly doubt it because they have such a big deal in, a, in open wheel. I think Nissan is kind of that one that if things kind of balance out with their company, could be the team that would, or the, the manufacturer that could come in and ask car. But the problem is the fact that you have to, the competitiveness and all that. I don't know if they really want to go through that. I think it would be in the gen 
the Gen 7 car before they were to come in. But I also don't know if they really want to come in straight up and run in cup. Uh, it's not a move that I think is a good move if it becomes a manufacturer deal because I see what Toyota's done and what Toyota's history has been in motorsports. And generally speaking, outside of, um, I mean, their their history has been running people out of the sport and making it too expensive and destroying series that they've been in. And it's almost uh, across the board it's happened with Toyota. The only time mm-hmm. it didn't happen was Formula One, and that's because they sucked and they left themselves. And right. then they've now gone into sports car, prototype sports car racing, killed that class. They're in World Rally, and they're kind of in the same mold. They're, they're in the same uh, situation as everybody else. They haven't been able to do the same thing in World Rally. But that was the case even before when they were in there before. Um, it's not a healthy thing, and it's not a good thing for the sport. Um, hopefully you know, whatever changes they're planning on making will be something that can open up to multiple manufacturers for immediate competitiveness, and there might be some opportunities for other teams to come in. Yeah, that'd be great. And and listen, I, I, I think that's where I look at it and say, you know, there was a uh, my co-host, of this, my old co-host of this show before you guys, his name was John Harlow. Uh, he used to bring this up a lot about ownership in this sport. And you look at the owners of this sport. Jack Roush is in his 70s. Rick Hendricks in his 70s. Joe Gibbs is in his 70s. Rick, uh, Richard Childress is probably in his 70s. Richard Petty's in his 80s. You know, 10 years down the road, who's going to be the next owners in NASCAR? I mean, outside of Tony, nobody. Outside of, outside of Gene Haas and Tony Stewart, you're kind of scratching your head going, hmm, I don't really know. Uh, and that's where maybe Bob Jenkins will be rewarded for what he's done the last 10, 10 15 years. Um, but what I love about this show, guys, is and, – and this is what I love about uh, having additional hosts here – is it just – it's cool because we I, I had a couple of topics written down that I want to talk about, about the future of NASCAR. And, um, you know, we kind of went on into a different way. I want to keep it this way. So, Spencer, how would you feel about new manufacturers coming to the sport? I think it's something a lot of people are okay about, you know, whether it's Dodge, whether it's Nissan, whether it's uh, a Honda, whether it's Hyundai or Kia or something like that. Um, I think it's, it would help the sport having one, maybe two more. I talk to fans who think they should have an unlimited, they should have 20 manufacturers. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Yeah. I don't know about all that. Right. But, what do you think in 10 years will we see a new manufacturer, two new manufacturers in this sport? What are your thoughts? Well, I don't have a problem with them coming in. The problem is they're not going to come in because they know Ford, Toyota, and Chevy are so dominant in this sport today. And they're the only three manufacturers and they have proven they can go out and do this. Do they want to take the risk in spending all that money and coming into NASCAR and failing? I don't have a problem. You can send Honda in. You can send whatever you want in. Whoever wants to come in, great. There shouldn't be 20. I mean, like I agree with you, two, three more. The people I see coming back in is Dodge. You know, that makes the most sense. You know, all them other, you know, uh, 
manufacturers, they're in different sports. You know, they're in Formula One, Honda's over there. They're all in the sports car racing, road course stuff. And um, But I, the problem is I don't think they would come in because they don't want to take that risk of failing because they know Toyota is dominant Chevy and Ford are the NASCAR manufacturers and they're doing the right thing. So that's it's really up to them, honestly, if they want to make that risk. But, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. And you brought up a good point about uh, how they're going to be going against any new manufacturer that comes into this sport. Is going to be going against Toyota, Ford, and Chevrolet, and the big and, and it's going to be a challenge for them. It is the biggest challenge for them, and I think this is sort of the reason why Dodge, when they went out, there was talk they were going to get back in. If you remember, Philip, uh, I'm sure you remember this when Kurt, there was talk Kurt Busch was going to come in and Dodge was going to come in with Andretti Autosport, Andretti Autosport, NASCAR. Yeah. yeah, a few years ago, and that was a big rumor. But I always said, who the heck's going to build their engines? Because they got to hire a whole new engine department, start from really scratch, and, and compete against the big-time teams of this sport. Now, I say that, and that's probably a lot easier to do now than it was five years ago because of the charters. Where if I get a front row motorsports to come here, sure, maybe front row motorsports will be the, the premier Dodge team eventually and have their own engine program with a Dodge team. But they're going to struggle getting themselves up and have struggled selling sponsorship because it's going to take a while to get their engines built. And it's going to take a while to get everything, get themselves into this sport. It's going to take a lot of money, a lot of resources to do that. Um, so that's a big problem for anybody coming into this sport, which is why I thought Richard Childress, and I know he's got a very big uh, relationship with Chevrolet. Uh, he was, Earnhardt was sponsored by Chevrolet for all those years. He's, in, he's been with Chevrolet since 1968. I always thought he was a prime suspect to go to Dodge because like, he's got his own engine program. You don't have to worry about it. You can expand on it if you want. He can bring teams with him. He's got subsidiary teams. I always felt he could, he could really do it, and he was sort of the second or third team over there at Chevrolet anyway compared to Hendrick and at that time Stuart Haas Racing, um, but he never did it. So now and I don't think he's going to move from Chevrolet because I think he's too loyal. And give him credit for that because that's a, that's a darn rare thing, rare thing nowadays. Anyway, um, it, how big of a, that is, is a problem spent uh, with the, with that, Philip? As far as these teams coming in and and needing really an engine uh, manufacturer, somebody building their own engines, and we don't really like I said, we have four or five big time engine manufacturers in NASCAR, and that's it. How big of a problem is that? I mean, I think it's, and we talk about the age of these owners. I mean, you think about some of the guys that used to build engines in the Cup Series. I mean, we lost Robert Yates, and now Doug does it with with Jack Roush. Once Jack Roush goes, I mean, it'll be Yates. It'll be Doug Yates. Okay, fine. He's a younger guy. Fine. But that's Ford. Um, when you think about Hendrick, okay, they have their program, and ECR has their program. Uh, after that, who builds Chevy engines? There used to be other people. You think about the Kodak Chevy and it was Ron Pittman. And you think about Junior Johnson in his day. You think about uh, Waddell Wilson. All the, there was all these people that built engines. Woods would build their own engines and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And then uh, since Toyota Maurice came Petty. in. Maurice Petty. Perfect. You know, right. like another example. Yeah, the, the, the point is ever since Toyota went and took a, blueprint off of all three other manufacturers and made a NASCAR engine. And then it, it Mark Cronquist, perfect. Another one, 
He was a Joe Gibbs racing engine guy. They made great motors. They won championships races with Bobby and Tony and all that. What it, nobody hears about the Toyota, and now well, the only thing I can see that might be in the favor of a private engine builder or somebody that may want to invest that amount of money, which is a lot, to try to be competitive if they stay with this same formula, which I think might be part of what might help a new manufacturer come in with the Gen 7 car if they change the formula altogether. Uh, still costs money, but it may not be as much. Is the fact that there's a lot of these sealed engines, there's the spec engine kind of move that's going on in the truck series. I figure it's going to come to Xfinity. Uh, they also have it in a K&N and an Arca. They have the Ilmore 396, which is a Penske thing. That's the whole point. It's Penske's company. Uh, so the fact is Penske could still do it. I don't know if he's their company in Charlotte is doing it or if it's coming from Europe, which is where it's based in England. But there are people I believe that can still build good engines. They just don't have the opportunity because of how things are set up. It could happen. But the, like thinking about Andretti, the way he's done, Michael Andretti is a mogul too. And that's where Tony is going. He's trying to be a mogul. And the only and he was thinking he was going to do NASCAR, but because Dodge had given up so much and given away so much and taken so much time away, there was no chance. And the further they get away from it and the fact that Fiat is not invested as much in the American brand, unless it's going to be Alpha coming to Cup, it's a better, there's a better chance of Fiat Group bringing Alpha to Cup than they are bringing a Dodge back to Cup which means it's not going to happen at all. So in my opinion, as a Mopar guy, as somebody who sees what's happened to them and how they've kind of killed racing programs, they're more invested in NHRA. They have, they're able to execute what their cars are and what they're about at the NHRA and NASCAR doesn't do it for them. And um, because of who runs them, there's really no way it's going to be that way. Uh, Hopefully a Hyundai or Kia as a Hyundai or Kia, a former owner of a Hyundai and a current two-time owner of a Kia. They're really into racing. They have passion. Um, it would be a big death, big ask, but they would be a, a group that I would think would be good. They build cars that are really nice and good-looking that could fit the mold. Um, but other than that, Nissan really, as a former Nissan owner too, those are the two that I see that could, but I don't know if that will really happen. It would be nice in 10 years if that's the case. It doesn't mean that there'll yeah. be a little bit of health. Yeah, and I do think we need another manufacturer. I think it would be better for the sport. Uh, as far as the competitiveness is, is, standpoint is, uh, I think it, a four I think four is a very good number. I think five, you get a little bit like, whoa. Um, it's just different, than, especially with 36 cars. If we had 43, I might sit there and go, okay, I could see a fifth. But with 36 cars now, I'm like, eh, five's a lot. Um, so I, I don't mind having four. What's that like? Um, Nine per team, nine, I think, nine per, per manufacturer. I think that's pretty. Out. I think that's pretty good. Um, maybe okay. I guess we can have a fifth there if you want it. Make it what seven or six per. That's fine. Whatever. But at the end of the day, uh, I'm okay with with four or five manufacturers, and I think adding one. But you brought up a good point, uh, Philip, and I want to get Spencer's opinion on this about the Elmore engine building. Um, you know, Xfinity Series, for example, they have um, composite bodies this year. For and they had they started it last year, 
um, and a truck series has an Elmore engines. And so we're getting to a point where everything's, and it's for cost savings, everything's getting sort of equal. And you look at like the Arca series and the Kane and East series, and, and those cars you can't really tell the difference from anymore because it's sort of you're sort of going. What, what race am I watching? Where ten years ago, fifteen years ago, you could tell the difference no matter no problem. And there were old Cup Winston Cup cars in the Arca series, and the K and N series had different cars, and now it's sort of getting all the same. And and that's a danger we're going to run into is where these races start to look the same. So this leads me to my next topic. The Xfinity Series, Spencer, we talked a lot at length about the Xfinity Series race at Daytona. I know you like going to that race. I love going to that race. But I don't think the Xfinity Series, this is the first time in the Xfinity Series, has been as close to the Cup Series as it's ever been. Um, they got the same wheelbase. they got pretty much the same race cars. Now with this new rule package, maybe it's different, um, a little bit different now. But this Xfinity car is a lot like the Cup car. And do you think it's a good thing? I mean, listen, if you think it's a good thing, that's to- I'm totally okay with that. Uh, what do you think about the Xfinity Series now? And what do you think about the Xfinity Series in the future moving on? Can it stay the way it is now where it's sort of a breeding ground for the Cup Series? Um, what are your thoughts on the Xfinity Series as we move forward? Well, you can bring up all these little, I don't know, talks about it. Um, you could also say, you know, if the racing all becomes the same, you know, because the cars are so different, will they lose, um, you know, fans in the stands? Well, if they say, oh, well, we already got tickets to the Daytona 500 and the Xfinity race is going to be about the same, well, then why do we need to buy an Xfinity ticket to go on Saturday? We'll just go to the Daytona 500 and enjoy our time. To the drivers, they drive totally different. Chase Elliott came and said, he goes, me doing the Xfinity race on Saturday only helps me get more wheel time. He said they drive totally different. I get in my cup car, and I can tell that I'm in a cup car compared to an Xfinity car. Um, I don't really think it's the right direction. You know, um, you want to see, you know, they're different series for a reason. You want to see every series different. You know, you drive in the truck series, you know, it's different than Xfinity and cup. If you drive in Xfinity, it's different different than trucks and uh, cups. So you want to, you want to see different, you know, it's called the truck series expanding and cup for a reason. You don't want them to be all the same. If they're all the same, well, then why are you so hurried to get to cup just because it's the top level? So, you know, I think different is better. You don't want to see the same thing. You know, that's why we don't want to see the same schedule. A change is good and a change different is probably the best way to go. In my, in my opinion, I know you guys might have a different outlook on it, but I think uh, we need to not go in the same direction for the next one of these series. What about you, Philip? I mean, it, it's it certainly is interesting. And, and I feel like that's where my concern is with these series now with, with, and this is where I think NASCAR has to be really careful. I think the cup series is different than any other series. I, I just do. As far as cost is concerned, I do want to see the cost come down in the cup series a little bit, but I'm not sure we need uh, a crate engine or an Elmore engine, whatever you want to, whatever name you want to put on it. The same engine with all the race teams. I'm not sure you need the same body, composite body, with all the race teams. I like the the teams build their own chassis. It's different throughout the field. Um, I, I like that. I think it being too close is such a thing. And if these series like Xfinity, 
where you basically have composite bodies in Cup and composite bodies in Xfinity Series, and then you have uh, Elmore Engine in Cup and Elmore Engine in Xfinity, you're like, what? What's going on? I mean, we grew up in an era where the Bush Series had V6s, and you remember that vividly, mm-hmm. I'm sure, probably better than I do. Yeah. And it and it was different, but it was interesting because you sat there and you said, hey, it's kind of a different race. It got a lot less horsepower. Now, especially because the Cup Series, don't have, they took the horsepower away, they sort of have the same horsepower, the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. Um, what is your long – what do you think we should do with the Xfinity Series long term? Uh, you know, to me, I just uh, – my fear, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is I'm just afraid they're going to look too much alike with the Cup Series. And that's part of the reason why I like the Cup guys getting out of there is because – Spencer brought up a good point. If I'm watching a race on Saturday, it's the same race on Sunday, why am I buying a ticket? Well, what if the same participants were in a Saturday race? They're on a Sunday race. Why am I buying a ticket to the Saturday race? So um, I guess my point, my question is, what would you do with this Xfinity series to keep from from being uh, looking a lot like Cup down the road? Well, that's a great – you brought up some great points there. Uh, Clayton, I mean, they're talking about the V6s, and uh, I always remember, I love, I mean, I've heard that being at the racetrack, when they had those Vs, those buzzing, whatever, they sounded like a bunch of bees going around the racetrack was horrendous on the ears. Um, my thinking is, well, who cares? Uh, I'd rather, it's, you're sitting in, you're sitting at a racetrack, and you're getting to watch cars go around. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, no matter what the heck they sound like. Even those IRL toilets back in the day, I'm sure those people had fun listening to those pieces of crap going around the racetrack, too. Uh, the, the, the reality is, since the TV package changed in '01, there's been this shift, and it started before that, but it wasn't as obvious. The shift towards basically having both of these, both Cup and X what is now Xfinity be very similar. And now they've spent most of the series, most of the tracks and the races are the same every single week. That was not the case, you know, talking about 20 years ago. Uh, The cars had a different wheelbase. They had a nine and a half to one compression ratio engine versus a 14 to one in the cup. Now they think it's like 13 to one in cup. And I believe it's basically the same engine in Xfinity. Um, I would go and say you have a different type of car. So if you're going to have Camaros and Mustangs and the the Camry, or hopefully they'll bring the Supra because it's it's ugly anyway. No matter, bring it to the Cup Series. You have two door cars in Cup. You run four door cars in Xfinity. You run a V8 in Cup. You're going to run a V6 in Xfinity. And you'd have the ability for these teams, these manufacturers, to market two different brands within. And then there's differences between both cars. They drive different. They look different. And it would be a test. It would show who can do something, you know. And it would be something that would be closer to what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be a great marketing exercise. And it would probably get some different fans in to go for the Saturday race. For me personally, I'm not a big thing on crowds. The Saturdays are fine. And if you're going to go and tell me I'm going to end up seeing Kyle Busch or Brad or Logano or name, take your pick on a Saturday, more than likely win. 
I got to see Brad win an Xfinity race a couple years a couple years ago at Pocono. It was a blast. I would love to see him win on a Sunday at live, but it felt pretty good. He ran against Kyle Larson at a heads-up battle with him. At the end of the day, it was still pretty good. And for more, I got more for my money that day than I did the next day. So if you told me that you're going to have something different on Saturday than you are on Sunday compared to what it basically has been for the last 20 years, which is they basically made the cars exactly the same, Mm -hmm. that's the move they need to make. And it would be a progressive move and it would be a good move. And I think it might actually provide an opportunity for other owners to come in or other people that are interested in other forms of racing to come in instead of what they've basically done and where it's basically constrict they've contracted down to this like small group of owners that can run these series. How, how about this? And, and this is the last topic. I don't want to take too much of your guys time up here. Um, but with this Xfinity series, and I think Jackie Rupp brought this up on Sirius this weekend and I got to give him the credit because, you know, he's an old school guy and, and worked for MRN for years, owns Thompson Speedway up in Connecticut. He's a very smart guy. So this goes all to him. But what if, you know, NASC, it, society has gone to more um, SUV type of cars, where if you know, notice what Ford's done this year, they've taken a lot of their cars away, stuck with just the Focus, uh, and now they've got the Mustang, and basically it's all SUVs and trucks after that. Um, and, and they still have Lincolns and stuff like that with their cars. If you don't want to drive a car, you can drive a Lincoln, yada, yada, yada. But what if, it, if we said, and I know this sounds crazy, but if the Xfinity series sort of became a, I don't know, a, uh, SUV-type series, where you sat there and you said, okay, Ford can run the Explorer, Chevrolet can run their SUV, Toyota can run their SUV and that you keep the same chassis I guess you can because with the composite bodies it really doesn't matter you keep the same chassis but put SUV make them SUV types so they can sell more cars that way um, what are your thoughts on that Spencer real quick before we sign off can you repeat that real quick how about SUVs coming to Xfinity Series? you think that would be a good idea um, if if we ran SUV-type cars uh, in the Xfinity Series? Would that be something you'd entertain and like to listen to or what? What, what are your thoughts? And like to watch, what are your thoughts? Uh, let's keep SUVs as far away as possible from NASCAR. Um, this is uh, this is stock car racing. This isn't, a, this isn't the fastest way to get to the grocery store in a mom car. Um this is uh, this is NASCAR and this is stock car racing, and I think uh, SUV just needs to stay the heck away from NASCAR. That's a that's a very fair point, Spencer, and I give you a lot of credit for that because uh, appreciate it. Buddy. When I when I initially heard that, I felt the same way about that, but I thought about it a little bit more, and and uh, I think it's just a little bit more interesting to me. I'm not sure I'm still in love with the idea, but um, it's a little bit more interesting to me. How about you, Philip? I mean, it would be a it's a wild it's a wild idea that Jack brought up on on Sirius uh, on Saturday. I think it was Saturday or Sunday. But what are your thoughts? Uh, do you think that that would work? What are your thoughts on, on maybe an SUV type series being the Xfinity series? I mean, I give credit to the Marlboro man. I mean, he figures out a way. He's still relevant all these days. He looks like leather. 
and he's about 150. I give Jack Arud a lot of credit that he can still come up with the kind of takes that he does, and he's still able. I mean, he 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 brought up tub of goo, and that's provided me lots of hilarity over the years, and <laughs> and all that stuff, and all the other things, and being on IndyCar broadcasts and all. He's he's great. Uh, this idea, I would love to go and pan it. But then I think about 1993 when um, Venables and and Jim Smith and a couple other guys went to Bill France Jr. and said, um, hey, uh, what about running these, uh, you know, some pickup trucks on NASCAR tracks? And uh, Bill France Jr. said, you know, I mean, he didn't kill it, and he's like, oh, you know what, let's give this a shot. And this is a West Coast deal. What is now the truck series started with all these West Coast, you know, off-road guys, and it's expanded to what it is now. It's basically gotten away from what it started from, and it's sad, but the reality is it started that way. Do I really believe they're going to run SUVs at cup tracks? I mean, it's more likely what Spencer is saying that they're going to run the mom mom vehicles like the CRVs and the HRVs and the, the Toyota RAV4s and things like that than they would running an SUV. Um, I don't think seeing Cadillac Escalades running on 30s, 24s is going to happen. Um, but it's an idea, and I give I give Jack Rude credit for that. It's an interesting one. I hadn't heard that. That's pretty cool. I'm glad he still yeah. got it. Yeah, he does. He's, he's still got it. But I just thought it was an interesting topic to kick around because, like I said, when I first heard that, um, I was kind of like, ooh, I, same way Spencer. We're going to have mom. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really – you know, when I wake up and get out of bed in the morning, I don't sit there and go, I want to see SUVs race. But when you think about it, you go, well, you know, I understand where it's coming from. It'd be I would. very, very strange for sure. Go ahead, Spence. I wouldn't mind seeing one, you know, all done up and prepared to set off in a race, NASCAR race, just to see how fast they can actually go and just to see it. But don't bring it into a race. Do not enter it into the entry list. <laughs> It'd be wild to see if that was the case. But uh, I want to give Spencer Cowan and, and say thank you for Spencer Cowan and, and Philip Matthew. Great show again tonight, guys. Uh, we'll certainly be back here next time. We'll, we'll review Phoenix. We'll review uh, all the races from ISM Raceway this week. Uh, real quick, guys, actually, before we sign off, I want to get your picks for winning this weekend at ISM Raceway. Spencer, one name. Give, give me who you got real quick winning at ISM Raceway. Uh, Kevin Harvick. I'm not an idiot. So, there, Kevin Harvick. <laughs> How about you, Philip? I'll just go against the green. I picked him in my uh, fantasy game. I picked Kurt Busch. Uh, he's running great. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Busch. How about that? Just because um, I think he's he's just going to pull out this week. He can win anywhere at any time. Winter so in November. We'll <laughs> That's right. So I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. If you liked what you heard tonight, please like us on Facebook. Like us on Twitter as well. Uh, we'll post all our shows there. We'll also post other things as, as the, the news goes on here in, in NASCAR. Um, no race Friday night. We got the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, Cup race on Sunday, Cup qualifying tomorrow night if you're interested in that. Uh, we'll see you all after Phoenix here on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.